Welcome to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we bring the power of prevention to you. I'm Mike Robshaw, Director of Marketing at Fit for Work, pleased today to be joined by Dr. Matthew Lee Smith, an associate professor in the Texas A&M University School of Health. A couple of Dr. Smith's research interests include health risk behaviors across the life course and evidence-based programming for older adults. A, uh, a relevant note about Dr. Smith, because the topic du jour on the Workplace Injury Prevention podcast is the aging workforce. So we welcome in Dr. Matthew Lee Smith right now. Hello, Dr. Smith. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me. You bet you. Um, thank you for joining us. You, um, like so many of us, are a busy man. You've carved out some time for us, and uh, we appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the conversation uh, a couple of things, a couple of reasons for that, and I'll start uh, with this. What I found interesting, Dr. Smith, while prepping for our conversation today is it became really clear to me that as a professor, an associate professor, it's not just a job to teach the student body uh, within the boundaries of a classroom, but also to research and learn yourself and then publish and promote that research. And it, that's something that you're very adept at doing. You're very experienced doing that. And I don't want that to be lost on the audience. You, you're a very uh, accomplished uh, professional in that regard. And, and it's impressive. And I, and I know for you, the number is not important. Uh, the work is what's important. But uh, very cool to note that you've had 300 uh, manuscripts for publications in peer-reviewed uh, scholarly journals. So um, congratulations on that, and thank you for all the work and research you do. Oh, thanks, Mike. You know, one of the things, of course, in this role is that we do a lot of academic exercises. We want to understand what works. We do a lot of trials. But for me personally, I really want to focus on things that are translational and applied, those types of solutions, those innovations, those services, those programs that can actually get into the hands of the people so that they can use them. And yeah. that goes across many different sectors, whether it be corporate or industry, but also our communities, our clinical, and even our university folks. Yeah. Is there anything of late that you've published or researched, um, Dr. Smith, that has struck you in a particularly profound way or, or any, any of your favorites uh, recently that you could po uh, point some of our listeners to that when they're done listening to this, they could go find? Absolutely. And I will have to think about the best way to share those, but there is a really well-known program called the Chronic Disease Self-Management Program. And it was originally created out of Stanford University but it is one of those programs that helps older adults with chronic conditions help manage their symptomatology, focus on communication, lifestyle behaviors, and really help them to stay out of the hospital and live their best lives. Mm -hmm. And with that said, one of our projects was actually to take that really well-known, well-available program and translate it for use in the workplace. We know that workplaces are, of course, aging. We know that those individuals have more chronic conditions and they need resources and the ability to stay in the workforce, remain healthy, remain productive so that we can have that competitive workforce while meeting the needs of those individuals with chronic conditions. So in our test, 
being able to take this, translate it, and then of course introduce it into many different workplaces, we were able to see a lot of significant benefits in terms of physical health, mental health, reduction in healthcare utilizations. So really wonderful stuff. Okay, great. And, you know, I, I think a really good way for folks to maybe find that is is the same way I did, where, you know, I went to Texas A&M's public health uh, website and found your profile. And, um, you know, the site is very good. There's ways to get a hold of you or there's ways uh, to read a lot of your uh, work. So I think, you know, you mentioned needing to find a, a good way to get people to go there. That's one. That's how I got there. And believe me, if I found my way there, our listeners can find their way there. So fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing is on the topic of the aging workforce, you know, so often for a lot of, a lot of folks listening, Dr. Smith are, um, are responsible for hiring people because they may be hiring managers for positions or they may be, um, in HR. And what I really find interesting about this topic is in the hiring process sometimes, or like the employment world, like age is one of those things that like you might be afraid to broach the topic, right? Cause it's, mm -hmm. it's a protected class, but you're just diving right into it and studying it. And I don't know if that resonates with you or makes sense at all, but that's one thing that I really found interesting about the topic of the aging workforce. Well, absolutely. Well, whether you really want to focus on it or not, it's happening. And I think that's the reality. You know, we have such growth in workers who are age 55 and older, 65 and older, 75 and older, who are staying in the workforce, or even that concept of unretiring, coming back into the workforce. Uh, so without, you know, any type of you know, raising the point or focusing on age, it is certainly something that we need to be recognizing, cognizant of, and hopefully making some accommodations for, because we do know that there are age-related biases, there are age-related discriminations, and it's difficult a lot of times for older workers to find jobs and find new jobs because of that. Yeah. You know, and I think this diversity of ideas and personalities and age in in for a lot of workplaces is good for all workplaces is good but in some is even better and i think some of the work that you're doing and um or or even related work that maybe you're not doing but many others are you know is allowing members who would qualify as being in the aging workforce it's it's empowering them to keep working, to keep being productive, to keep pursuing what may be a passion of theirs. It's also equipping companies to be able to provide resources to those people. So, you know, it, it's, um, again, going back to the, the main point, diversity in a workplace is important, whether that is our ethnicity or our uh, religion or our age. Um, in, in most places, having diversity and being able to have the resources to empower a diverse uh, workplace is going to lead to more productivity and happier and safer workplaces. You're exactly right, Mike. You know, work gives us a sense of purpose. Yeah. In the age. And that, that is actually a really important factor 
because if you are being pushed out of a workforce or if your health is pushing you out of a workforce, you might feel that loss of purpose. And that is an unhealthy feeling in a lot of ways for individuals of all ages, but especially older adults. What you also mentioned, which I find really important, is that you're right, that diversity within the workforce is so important. We want to retain our older workers because they have such knowledge, they have such experience, they are a resource to our organizations and to our businesses. But we are more and more seeing these multi-generational work teams which come with all new types of dynamics based on their preferences, their training styles. But when older workers and younger workers start to work together, they might have different attitudes about uh, the work itself or the way they're being supervised, or they might have a younger person supervising them. They have different communication styles, different training needs, habits and work habits. Um, it's really creating this very interesting sometimes conflict arising situations, but also just the amount of innovation and productivity that comes from those multi-generational work teams is just exciting to think about how to harvest and harness. Now, yeah, that that's a very interesting point is it's not just the aging workforce, the relationship between the employee and the employer and providing resources and empowering um, the worker, but it's the relationship, the respect, the knowledge between employees that some of this work can sort of um, open open eyes and open doors to as well. Most definitely. And truly, one of the things that I always try to emphasize, and this is in any setting, whether it be the corporate world, whether it be your day-to-day, -day, whether it be in your healthcare settings, it's about communication. If you understand your own needs, your own desires, your own preferences, you need to be able to convey those to the people around you. And when you have these different work teams and you have these different environments that you're engaging within, having that freedom to be able to communicate, making sure that you can then interact freely, have that open and kind of safe exchange of information is going to be so important. Because as you start working and gelling with other types of workers who are younger, older, et cetera, you have to be able to communicate what I need. And we know because so many older workers are actually living with and working with chronic health conditions, their needs and preferences might be different. They might have other appointments to get to. They might not necessarily work the exact same hours and need some flex time. There, there's a lot of different considerations to think about. Yeah, very interesting. And we... Um... We're very lucky to have uh, Dr. Smith joining us here on the um, injury workplace injury prevention podcast. And fit for work, Dr. Smith is a very well-rounded uh, organization that can help employers in a lot of different ways. There is, I believe, a bread and butter or a um, a sort of a, a calling that's near and dear to the company's heart. And I think you and your research, um, there's sort of a point where they can cross and I can't wait to hear your opinion on it. And we're going to get to that after we take a quick break right here to learn a little bit more about some of the services that fit for work can offer you and your workplace. Hey guys, pardon the interruption. 
If you are listening and wondering how Fit for Work can help you get ahead of injuries, head on over to our website, www.wellworkforce.com, and click on the Connect With Us button to learn more. At Fit for Work, we partner with you to prevent workplace injuries by looking at three leading indicators, early intervention, human behaviors, and ergonomics. So what are you waiting for? Go check out our website. Again, that's www.wellworkforce.com. Now, back to the interview. All right. Welcome back to the Workplace Injury Prevention Podcast. Yours truly, the host, Mike Wabshaw, Director of Marketing at Fit for Work, joined today by Dr. Matthew Lee Smith an associate professor in the Texas A&M University School of Health. Now, Dr. Smith, I know uh, you're, you're familiar with the, um, the radio slash podcasting business, so I dropped that teaser right before the break. How did you feel I did on the, on the teaser? Was that well executed? Yeah? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. So um, I, I was saying that I think there is sort of a, a point where your research, your background, your experience intersects with uh, – what really is, I don't want to say bread and butter for fit for work because we don't want to be known as specializing in just one of our service areas, but um, injury prevention. At the end of the day, um, preventing the injuries from ever happening in the first place is what fit for work is trying to do. And I may be falling into a generality here and please uh, course correct me if I am, but what I would suggest is the understanding and studying what you have studied with regard to the aging workforce and then combining that with what Fit for Work does is really important for the aging workforce because you get to a point in, in, in your life where it may be harder to recover from a setback. And if you can have a better understanding of physiology, of, you know, the um, the medical part of someone's ability to work in addition to the job that they're actually doing and have great knowledge of what they're being asked to do, preventing injuries in, in this demographic is perhaps more important than in, in any other demographic because it could be harder for them to recover if any of that makes sense to you. Absolutely. So when we talk about older adults in general and especially older mm -hmm. workers, we, we need to remember and realize that older adults are more likely to have chronic health conditions and those conditions can have different types of symptoms or symptomatology that will impact the way that they function. And so those symptoms might influence their home lives and their work lives. So when we think about those chronic conditions, you know, um, for individuals who are age 65 and older, about 90% or more have one chronic condition. 80% or more have two or more chronic conditions, those comorbidities. Yep. And those are things like arthritis, diabetes, chronic pain. So all of the things like you're saying, Mike, where those types of um, conditions can cause pain, fatigue, and when that happens, the presenteeism or the absenteeism can actually start to kick in or waver. So with that, we need to think about their workspaces, the ergonomics of it all, making sure that we accommodate their health conditions, their physical and mobility, their sensory, whether it be vision, hearing, et cetera, but also making sure that we really take a look and like you said, match their environment 
with their biological, physiological, anatomical needs, as well as matching to the actual job roles and responsibilities that they need to perform. Yep, exactly. You know, another thing that you mentioned in our first segment that hit home with me, Dr. Smith, was when a person becomes unable to work or do the job the way they used to do it, the psychological effect that that can have on someone is it can be significant. And the reason it hits home for me is because I spent 15 years working in the National Football League for the Minnesota Vikings. And it was always, you know, it's always a sort of a talking point for players with long careers or even players with short careers when they are no longer able to compete and have to retire or when they've just had enough and they had a long, great career and they have to retire what that next stage of life is like for them, it's oftentimes a challenge. And and the perception is, oh, they made millions of dollars and they got they got it made easy and they're going to go sit in the Maldives all day. And it, <laughs> it's like, it's not that way. When, when you no longer are able to or no longer are choosing to do something that you've done for a long time, there's a psychological toll or a psychological element there that must be addressed. Um, and that's something you said earlier that really hit home with me. Absolutely. There are many different ways that we change over time. And whether that's your role in your workplace or your job, whether it's the role in your family, whether you become a caregiver, whether you become an empty nester, whether now you have grandchildren. I mean, there's a lot of things about your identity that changes over time. And when you're no longer working and that part of your purpose, which is a large chunk of a lot of people's lives, that work piece, you can really lose a sense of identity or have to reinvent that identity. And so it can certainly cause anxiety and depression. And, uh, you know, it's also losing of social bonds. You know, a lot of people are very friendly with the people they work with and they actually rely on that as a form of interaction. So, you know, one of the things that I always think about is that focus on productive aging. So how is it that we can really think about how an individual contributes to their workplace, contributes to their own lives, to their families, to society as a whole, as they grow older over time? Yeah. And to know that that definition can be fluid and flexible and doesn't have to remain static all the time. Yeah, great point. Productive aging, I love that term. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if there's very many examples where a company has been like, ah, you know what? She's, she's got too, too much experience now. We got to move on. Right. So like the, and someone who's a member of the aging workforce probably has a great level of experience and the, the more resources you can provide that person, the longer you can have them be with your organization, the more ways they can maybe impact, not just your business, but others who are coming into your organization who will eventually impact your business. I couldn't agree more. So many employers acknowledge this trend of aging workforce and their aging employee base, but very few are taking action and being very proactive about it. And like you're saying, you know, to be able to retain that resource of an older worker who has the experience, has the knowledge, is so valuable and is really a value add to the business model. 
But the thing is, is that there are a lot of advancements that are constantly occurring. We already talked about the multi-generational workforce and making sure that we can have those communication channels, that we can make sure that we give all of those resources and accommodate the health needs of an older workforce. But there's also a lot of technological advances, the marketplace and the, um, you know, the different ways of doing business have changed over the decades. So with those technological advances, using new systems, new ways of doing things, new technologies, we need to make sure that we offer appropriate training, that we offer enough training to be able to facilitate older workers being able to feel comfortable with all of their different demands and everything that's going to be asked of them, especially because we all know, you know, many older workers were not born with technology in hand, but many of the younger workers certainly were. So there's different learning curves, different strategies, whereas younger workers might not have that experience, that in-depth knowledge of the field of the position, whereas the older worker might not be as savvy with the technological advances, although older adults are certainly the largest growing market of all technology. Interesting. Awesome, awesome stuff and good conversation. I think um, for a lot of our listeners, Dr. Smith, this stuff hits home with them and, and they're interested in it. So again, I, I encourage folks listening who found this conversation interesting or relevant to their business, uh, please uh, look up some of Dr. Smith's work. Uh, really good stuff. I had the, the pleasure of doing, um, doing it for a while here the last couple of mornings as I was preparing for our conversation. And again, um, really interesting stuff and appreciate your time. Dr. Smith, thank you for the work that you're doing and keep it up. I know you got 300 down, but I think you got at least another 300 left in you. Absolutely. That's the hope. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate the invitation. It's been fun. You bet. It was fun. Thanks a lot. Again, appreciate your time and thank you for joining us. And we thank you all for listening to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, to learn more about Fit for Work and our services, visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives. <laughs>